just decided to enter the minds of two dudes who love the outdoors and live an active lifestyle. Join us as we share anything from hiking and hunting to strength training and general fitness and all the in-between. Laugh, learn, help. Live a little through us. Welcome to the Active Man Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the luxurious, luxurious podcast studio in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. I am your co-host, Ben Eshelman. And I'm your other co-host, Gavin Pelletieri. Uh, Didn't introduce myself at all in the first episode, which is probably not the best idea to try and attract and keep listeners. So I'm going to start this off much better than the first one, and actually introduce myself. So, we're doing a lot better already. Thank you, Gavin. It's a great start. Yeah. We're head off on the right foot. You're welcome. Uh, we talked a little bit last time um, about a few things. Mainly, the gist of our, our uh, episode was getting into hiking and knowing the basics of what to do, where to go, how to do it. Um, and in between us talking about that, there was a a very emotional story that was brought up uh, for my teenage years. You were triggered. <laughs> and, you know, it, it brought a lot of feelings to the surface. And I feel... A lot of emotions. I, I feel like people need to know, you know, and... How you were attacked by a vicious, non-venomous snake. It was a venomous copperhead. And confirmed kill by none other... Then Officer Fetterman. It's a great way to start off this podcast about bragging, about murdering but listen, a snake. He regardless saved, if it was venomous or not. This podcast would, wouldn't be here today if the ultimate outdoorsman at that time, Officer Fetterman, hadn't saved my life. I'm just... Give me a little more context into this story because I'm just picturing this as like <laughs> you're out in a creek... And, like, doing whatever you were doing. Fishing. Fishing. Uh, Fishing. And this snake, which was, I still think it was a water snake, uh, goes just goes after you. Not just viciously snake. goes after you to the point where Officer Fetterman felt the need to relieve, Save my life. Yeah, save your life. Let, <laughs> we'll put it at that. All right, listen. Th- this is what happened. Okay, and again, I confirmed this with him, and I sent you an image of him confirming that it was, in fact, a copperhead. You sent me a text message of him saying, yeah, I think it was a copperhead. No, he was Which is sure. anecdotal evidence at best, and I am still skeptical. I'm not saying I don't believe you at all. I believe that you had an encounter with a snake that you interpreted as uh, being dangerous. And you thought that you were in a dangerous enough situation to where you had someone draw their firearm and relieve the snake of its life. Now, he is an officer of the law. He protects and serves. And that began that day. I mean, so from that, that began, point of view, 
of that day. All right, so just tell me the story. So circa 19, we'll say it was 96 or 97. It was a balmy, hot summer, summer day. Um, a few of me and my friends were fishing Penn's Creek. A few of you. <laughs> in between uh, New Berlin and Lewisburg, uh, central Pennsylvania, for those of you... Actually, there isn't anybody that would be listening to this that wouldn't know that. Actually, not true. I got some feedback from some listeners in some different areas who I know. It's not like they're random. They reached out to me and they were like, hey, you're doing a podcast. And I was like, yeah, uh, who knows how long it lasts. But anyway, thanks for initially listening. Anyway, they <laughs> they might not know. Okay. Penn's Creek is actually a, like a world-class trout fishery, too. Like, in terms of fly fishing. Obviously, and that's, so that's, that's why, why I was why there. you were there. That, correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I'm a worm on a hook guy, mm-hmm. and basically just toss in and, and uh, pray that something bites. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so a balmy summer day, most of us had gotten off of whatever our summer jobs were at that time, and we had a little bit of time to kill. Actually, you know what? I don't think any of us worked at that time. That's a lie. Especially that yeah, year. I, you I know what? You. I think we had odd ends jobs that we worked for like a half a day. Like work a few baseball camps. Yeah. Maybe then, do a little landscaping. Yeah. Then we go lift. Get your pops to like give you 50 bucks after doing some like yeah. pretty Cut like, the neighbor's yard. yard labor. Yeah. Go lift and then we'd fish. And then we had a Legion game. So we're, we're out there fishing. It's late afternoon. I, I don't remember exactly what time the Legion game start. We'll say six. And it was getting close to time for us to leave because it was so hot i decided to get in the water and actually fish in the water so no waders you were just like yeah just straight up yep sliding shorts no Uh, i I was i was (laughs) i think i was wearing cargo that's like pre-sliding shorts those were definitely like the same pair of cargos that you will occasionally wear at the gym well yeah to train people i needed the pockets to keep keep my lures and stuff in you know of course obviously yeah. In the water, even more important. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want them floating away. So I'm in the water. I'm fishing. And, you know, it's coming down to crunch time. we got about five minutes left to go. And every there were a couple of the other guys were fishing in the water as well. They had gotten out. And they're standing on top of, uh, there's like a rock formation that we would stand on and fish off of. So all the guys are back up on top of there. And the last one in, I'm getting a couple bites. So I'm like, ah, one more cast, one more cast. So I cast out. I get a nibble. I'm reeling in. Bring it all the way back in, and I'm like, I'll do one more, one more. And they're yelling at me. They're like, it's time to get out. Get out of the water. Get out of the water. You let me get out of the water. I'm like, no, one more cast. I cast out. And <clears throat> as soon as my the worm had hit the water, they're, they're still yelling at me, but they're yelling at me louder. And they're just like, get out, get out, get out. Then I hear snake, and as soon as I hear snake, This whole time they were yelling at me to get out of the water because not that it was just time to go, but there's a freaking snake in the water. I drop my reel, my whole rod, I just dump it. My head goes under and I turn into the Michael Phelps of the Olympic years and swam the fastest 15 yards of my life. Head down. I'm I'm not even going to look up until I get there. And as soon as my hands hit the rocks, like my head comes out of the water, I shake. At that time, I had hair. I shake my hair, open my (gasps) eyes. And (laughs) as soon as I open up my eyes, there's a freaking revolver pistol right next to my face. Maybe like a foot away from my face. 
and he ex- it, he extends his arm over my shoulder. It, it is the man, the myth, the legend, Officer Fetterman. At that time, Tracy, he is now known as Officer Fetterman, rips a shot off. I get out of the water as fast as I can, and I'm like, oh my, I'm freaked out. I don't even know what the hell's going on. I get out, and there floats this snake on top of the water, and he takes a stick, grabs it, pulls it out, and, you know, he's doing his thing examining it. I'm not going to go any further than that. We'll just say examining it. And this sucker, I, I, I mean, it had its mouth open. It was ready. It was ready to dig its teeth into my leg. It had its mouth open because it was dead. It just, it died because that was its last position. It was ready to strike with its mouth open, and then it just died that way. <laughs> Does it sound worse when you tell it out loud? Um, no, because honestly, that is a true story. Fetterman's, Officer Fetterman saved my life. I now, love thank how God, these, all listen. of these stories happen conveniently. Like, all these types of stories happen conveniently before people have, like, cellular phones to, like, just take a photo listen, but listen, and prove that it happened. We, there are five people that you could ask about this and confirm it. Now, thank God. I don't know why he had a pistol with birch. I mean, he had anything. He, he was the type of guy, he, the ultimate outdoorsman at that time. He'd open up his, his trunk, and he's got... He's got waders. He's got his his uh, his fishing vest. He's gear got, at the ready. At, yeah, yeah, whatever whatever he needed, it was in there. And thank God he had his little pistol with. It was like a twenty two pistol with birdshot in it. Um, and thankfully, he decided to pull it out and shoot this thing before it bit me because it was pretty damn close to me. But it was it was within like ten feet of me at least. It was coming at me. I I don't know why, if maybe I had disturbed its area. Mm-hmm. Uh, because initially they so you were in the water and it I was, was in, in the water. water as well oh i don't think it initially was in the water it was i was closer to the bank and it was okay. probably i don't know if it had eggs or something over in that area maybe what area on the bank on the bank on that opposite side um which so you were in a pretty constricted part of pence creek it was a it, i mean it wasn't super wide where we were yeah no okay and it wow. wasn't very deep either. I mean, you could you know you could fish and stand it at that time yeah, in the yeah. summer. It was like maybe three three and a half feet deep. Okay. Maybe, maybe. And it came shooting across from the other side of the bank towards you. It came off the bank that I was closest to. Okay. Into the water, I I believe. And so Again, you swam never, in the same direction. I never saw it until they yelled. I saw its head and like the swivel of the water. And then that's when I, I dropped my drop, drop my reel, put my head down, and just freaking mm-hmm. swam as fast as humanly possible over. Well, I And it followed me over there. First thing I'll say is I'm glad nobody was hurt by the firearm or the snake. As you know, I'm a, I'm fancy myself a little bit of a snake guy. And I uh, I know it's painful to hear that one of is. your friends would but attack me. It's I know. I understand that people have a fear of them. They're they they're freaky. Like anything that moves like that without limbs is to a lot of people not to be trusted. And I understand that. But I think it it but, basically chose the wrong person to swim after. All that day, yeah, it did. It chose tro- it chose the wrong group, whether it w- had intent or not. Uh, I don't I know. Mean, if, just, a, uh, if a crocodile. We're not heading, talking about heading in your general direction. We're talking if you're about... fishing, <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> if you're in the water fishing, 
and a crocodile comes off the bank into the water in your general direction and you swim away from it and it follows you. <laughs> is it is it fair to say that you would hope that Officer Fetterman would shoot the crocodile? In that situation, knowing what crocodiles do and, and really kind of like what their tactics are in, ter- in terms of uh, hunting and feeding behavior, like, and I'm not obviously not a crocodile expert, I've just... I mean, let's put it this way. I've watched a ton of National Geographic episodes on... Daily. You know, various documentaries of, like, wildebeest on their annual migration, crossing rivers. Like, Nile crocodiles are no joke. If that was, like, a Nile crocodile and I was in the water, Mm -hmm. I would be very grateful. I would be begging Tracy, Officer Tracy Fetterman, to shoot it for me. Uh, Or at least help in some (laughs) manner. Uh, But, again, I... I'm skeptical that it was actually a copperhead, uh, particularly like... So, northern water snakes, which are often confused with copperheads, what they will often do is is seek out water. So, if you're in between the water and them, they it, it appears as if they are chasing you, and they're not actually chasing you, you're just in the way. You know, I wasn't there, and I can't... I mean, <laughs> I can't, I, like, say that you're wrong, because you were think... there, you experienced it, but... I think the right thing to do... I don't know. I just... Is to have Officer Fetterman on to confirm what really happened. Future episode, we will have Officer Fetterman on. I think that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from trying to take my emotions of the snake dying out of the picture, that's a hell of a shot. I mean, birdshot is... is Oh, he he had birdshot. It's like a a shotgun. Yeah, I know what birdshot is. Thanks. So, you're welcome. (laughs) You still just don't want to believe that it was a copperhead. (laughs) I don't. I really don't. What color is a north whatever water snake? Northern water snake? Well, they have, like, different variants. The same species will have different variations to them. Just uh, like you have black-faced timber rattlesnakes or what people refer to as yellow-faced timber rattlesnakes. They have different variants. Um, Are they tan and, like, reddish? Almost. Not red, but... Tan and... They have, like, a tan and almost a copper tone to them. Copper tone. Shameless plug for our first sponsor. Mm, Copper tone. I use copper tone daily. Eat it. To keep my bald melon away from the rays. Copper tone is not in any way affiliated with this podcast. No. Do you think we could get in trouble for that? No, because they were joking. Yeah. On air, we're joking. But seriously, Coppertone is but, some of the best. Yeah, and I'm bald, screen there so is. I, I would use but, it. Um, but, you know, just saying. But anyway, I think that the Copperhead story is an excellent story to segue into our next segment uh, about some of the things that they help prevent. Ticks. Ticks. Ticks are jerks. Very much so. Actually, you know, ticks suck. Yeah, they do. The it's actually like, yeah, they do suck. They do. They suck metaphorically and literally. Yeah. Did you know, fun fact, before you go into your informational plot, a tick can live for 200 days without eating or drinking. Yeah, they're just like one of those animals that, that just like can they can do that stuff. Can like you it's like cockroaches that? can like survive like a nuclear holocaust. Like ticks can survive 
hundreds of days without eating I or know, drinking, I, I would. Every, uh, everything yeah. has a purpose. What purpose does a tick serve? Uh, I would say that any purpose that we all serve fundamentally, and that would be to live long enough to sexual maturity, reproduce, and then hopefully raise your offspring to at some point, and then you die. That's what they do. I hate them. But <laughs> t- t- you, you tell us a so little anyway, bit more about them. Ticks and what you're terrified of, snakes and obviously venomous snakes. Everybody seems to not really be too keen on venomous snakes, but uh, most people don't know that snakes are excellent tick preventers. And that's not because they actually consume the ticks directly, but they are responsible for consuming what the ticks are often on. So their prey is in like small mammals, uh, whether that's like field mice or rats or maybe small rabbits or things like that. Hmm. And so the things that act as really good vectors for tick-borne illnesses, vectors as in vessels, like they transport illness, like you're getting over your sickness, but you could potentially be a vector of, I don't know, spread some sickness to me because you're walking around kind of still, still sick. But anyway, snakes do a really good job at, you know, obviously doing what they do and they eat the mammal or, or whatever they eat. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes on that mammal will be a tick or multiple ticks that could potentially be carrying any form of the many diseases that uh, ticks carry. Let's talk about this. There's multiple different types of ticks. Multiple different types of ticks. The biggest a-hole of all ticks is definitely the deer tick. I would agree, Uh, Uh, especially if you're living in the Northeast where Lyme's disease is most prevalent. Those are the Um, ones that we have to worry about up here in the Northeast for sure. Um, We do have other ticks, though. It's not like, you know, the the deer tick is the only tick that lives in the Northeast. I mean, right. It's it's a real issue, man. Uh, you got to watch yourself when you go out there because Lyme's disease isn't cool, and the other diseases that can be uh, carried by ticks are not cool. No, like uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. I don't want that. I love the Rocky Mountains, but I don't like spotty fever. Not enough spotty to have spotted fever. fever. Spotted no. fever. No. <laughs> you know what else bothers me about ticks, especially deer ticks. The ones that, that are the carriers of Lyme disease and the ones that are the biggest a-holes are the smallest of all the other Yeah, and they're like so, the hardest to see. Yeah. Why? Also, this is anecdotal, and I don't have like a source for this to, to honestly, truly confirm, but I have noticed whether I'm working out in the field, like recollecting... Uh, lab results off of discharges, um, and I'm wearing clothing that is a little bit darker and a little bit more earth tony, like like um, like browns and like granite colors. I tend to experience or at least see less ticks on me, and I don't I don't want to like tell somebody just be like, oh yeah, wear you know wear dark clothing when you're going out, and you won't ever get ticks on you. Like I'm definitely not going to say that because that would. That would be wrong. But every time I seem to go out and get ticks on me, I'm wearing a little bit lighter toned clothing. I don't know. Like You're khaki. saying this is out of coincidence. 
I don't know if it's a coincidence. I don't know if, yeah. if they... Um, I would imagine that they... I don't know exactly how uh, they sense that something is walking by, and they usually live in brush piles or um, low grass. bushes, high grass, uh, yeah. things like that. And so I'm not exactly sure with how, how they... Uh, you know, know that something is walking through the forest. They could very well just be kind of like on the cusp, ready to snatch on anything that walks by. But it could also be that I'm just wearing lighter clothing the times that I see the ticks, and it's just because they contrast more. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, maybe wear tri-earth tones. It might work. (laughs) And you don't see them. Ticks, and I think what would be helpful is, you know, maybe spotting some signs of tick-borne illnesses. So, like, when you get bit by a tick, you won't sh- show signs. You won't be symptomatic immediately. No. You no, know, it's not like you get maybe <laughs> bitten by a venomous snake. You're not symptomatic as if you were envenomated no. immediately. No, no. But if you do, actually, what you should do is if, if you're unsure and you had one on you, if you know the tick was uh, burrowed into your skin, just call your doctor and usually they will prescribe uh, a small dose of doxycycline mm-hmm. as like a preventative, you know, type thing. And it's not going to hurt you to just take that anyways as like a precautionary thing. Uh, but yeah. obviously, later on, you want to watch that spot where they were in to, to make sure that you don't have a bullseye show up. Yeah, um, and that's like the characteristic, for you know, like the classic yeah. sign of, of, you know, being symptomatic of Lyme's disease mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, getting that, uh, that bullseye pattern. Yeah. Uh, and that's usually followed by like, I guess you get like pain in your, uh, joints and muscles and you get fatigued and, and you get fever. And so the interesting thing about it though, is if you like get bit, you know, if you're, if you have long hair, you're a female, you get bit and it's like on your head per se, like yeah, some know. of us aren't bald. And so we might not notice Mm-hmm. And some of these symptoms, if you're symptomatic of, of Lyme's disease and, and uh, you can't see the bullseye pattern or you just don't know about it in terms of, you know, going out in the woods, you know, you might mistake it as something just like a regular sickness. Right. And yeah, like it flu could go, symptoms almost. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and it's characterized by mm-hmm. a lot of flu-like symptoms. So, so like, it's, it's really important to get yourself uh, just at least knowledgeable in terms of what you could actually be symptomatic of or, or what some of the signs of, of tick-borne illnesses are. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's no joke. No. And uh, one thing I would say, too, is if you are in one of the areas where ticks are um, not just a problem but around, um, you definitely want to have, you know, materials to take care of them. So if you're hiking, you know, tweezers in your bag probably with your medical stuff. Um, they also do have a little tick removal tool, which is uh, it's pretty easy to use. Um, I've never used it at all, but I know uh, a few of my friends who are uh, hiking and doing stuff outdoors have used them before to remove them and said it's so. It's but here, here's a couple things that <clears throat> you can do to protect yourself regarding ticks or just be a little bit more aware about. Um, we said before about how they hang out in high grass, marshy areas. Obviously, you want to wear long pants for protection. Um, and, uh, you know, you can be cool like some of the new kids do. They tuck their, their pants into their socks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this whole time, but like they were just trying to prevent ticks. Yeah, but I, I, from... I honestly, I that's not like a foolproof type thing. No, like, I mean they're gonna like if they want somewhere like they've been doing this a while. Yeah, they're gonna do it. It's not their first rodeo. You can get through some like yeah. So you still want to check, obviously, not foolproof. Another thing they recommend is is winding duct tape around the sock pant junction. Uh, Again, not the ticks first rodeo. That's just an extra, yeah, extra protective I'm, layer. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you could, I guess, I, if you you're know. feeling like wild about it. Yeah, but. if you, if you want to go hard, duct tape duct tape your socks to your pants. Go ahead, have at it. You know, sure. I hope I see somebody out <laughs> next time I go hiking. Just um, see somebody with duct tape. They recommend to wear light-colored clothing, not earth tones, but light-colored wow. clothing. Wow, <laughs> it's a good thing. So you can spot them more easily. Well, um, I did mention that, that being the main purpose. I did. Obviously, it's going to okay. be easier. You know, if you're wearing high white socks, knee-high white socks with maybe red stripes around the top, or maybe some mid-calf white yeah, Nikes. Some some mid-calf white Nikes. Uh, Obviously, you've got to spot them better than wearing black mm-hmm. Nike socks. Um, another thing, obviously, there's tons of repellent and different types of stuff that you can use. The insecticide permethrin, I think I ho- hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Um, that's one of the major ingredients in a lot of the, uh, the tick defense uh, types of sprays and things like that. I actually have... A bottle with me of this. It's called Tick Defender. I got this out of my uh, Bowhunter Box Club box. And it's scent-free. kills on contact. But the only problem is this stuff is super potent. You can't get it on your skin. You only want to put it on outdoors. They recommend that you put stuff or you spray it on your gear when you don't have it on. Let it dry and then put your stuff on. So if you're worried about your clothes or, you know, your kids or animals and things like that, get on it. Just do it on your boots. You know, keep those away or in the garage and uh, your clothing, you know, if you're worried about the kids and the animals, don't do your clothing, just do boots. Keep the boots out of the house. There's no, you know, no way that there could be any possible issues there. And I'm so guilty of that, like getting done with a hike or getting done with being outside all day and like say if I want to go grab a workout, I'll go up to my room, throw my clothes off that I wore for the day Mm. on my bed. Yeah, so those and like that's dumb. It's those, dumb. Those don't guys could be me. All over don't the place. do that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's they they're hitching a ride all over you know your animals in the first yeah. place. So it's not that hard to hitch a ride on you. Usually, um, I was gonna say what I do is after I get out of the woods, um, when I get home, most of the time I at least get all my stuff off outside. Um, I don't have a garage and I don't have a uh, like an area. Uh, like an in-between area between, you know, outside and home. So if I have to derobe, it's kind of, you know, kind of awkward. Yeah. yeah. So it's got to be a quick, a quick exit yeah. of stuff off very fast. And then I, I usually throw that stuff in a pile and get it downstairs pretty quick. And um, that, like, but again, still not foolproof. And that's like uh, small stuff that you can do to just like really reduce your chances yeah. of, you know, having a tick on you. And if you're like really outside all the time, you're totally familiar with this, and, and this is like just eating a, beating a dead horse for you guys but and gals, but um, it's nuts how much more prevalent uh, Lyme's disease is. Uh, and just general tick sightings. Like, I'm looking at this Science Mag article right now. Um, see me include the source. I know, and 
conclusion. Who's about to say this, but mm. anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a Science Magazine article. It's legit. Anyway, it's stating that since the late 1990s, the number of counties in the northeastern United States that are considered high risk for Lyme disease has increased by more than 320%. Good God. Since the 90s, like yeah. alone. That's crazy. That's wild. I mean, that's, that's pretty telling. And, and it's showing this little map here of tick prevalencies across the United States. Uh, and it's just got the entire Northeast blotted out in yeah. red. Uh, and it's got Florida basically blotted out in red. And much of like, eastern North Carolina and Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, they are out in full force right now already, too. Because I can tell you the, the two times that I got out for turkey so far, I was pulling a few off me while yep. I was sitting in my blind and had to snag or pull a few off uh, after I got my stuff off, too. So, yeah, I don't remember in years past having that many on me this early. Yep. Um, so definitely going to be a rough year. But if you do find a tick and you think that it may have been on you for at least 36 hours, that's where you definitely want to get you know, the doxycycline from your doctor if afterwards like you know that you've had a bite it does take 36 to 48 hours for the bacteria to move from the tick to the human but if you remove a tick within the 36 hours your odds of contracting Lyme disease are pretty slim now pretty slim that doesn't mean is foolproof Um, now I wonder if that considers if you get the tick fully out room yeah you definitely you know because it can be difficult speaking of that yes when you when you are removing the tick crucial that you don't leave any of that little sucker in there. Um, and their tips to remove it uh, with tweezers, and again, I said they have a little tool, but if you're doing it with tweezers, grasp it near your skin with the tweezers and pull it out in one steady motion without crushing it. Don't worry if mouth parts remain in your skin. Once a tick's body is gone, it can no longer transmit disease. And I used to hear a lot of people say that you can put like petroleum jelly on it and because you know they still require oxygen while they're feeding mm-hmm. that they will withdraw themselves but they can and still to me, vomit some of the to, exactly like the to me it's inside. like you would want to physically remove the tick as fast as possible yeah. uh, and obviously in the safest way that you can um, so yeah don't really recommend um, pulling it off directly with your fingers definitely get you know get some good forceps or or uh, tweezers to mm-hmm. actually pull the little guy out. Cause, I mean, it's definitely, for most people who get ticks for the first time, it's like kind of a freaky experience for them because they think of it as like maybe like a scab and they, they like brush on it on their leg and then they look at it and it's like mm-hmm. basically like twirling its like little legs. That's, and it's like pretty gross. To a T, that's exactly what happened when I didn't realize I had a tick on me the first time. It was probably on me for a day and a half and I was getting ready to get in the shower and I was checking out my beard, scratching my leg, thought I had a scab and when I scratched the, the scab, it came off, I just, I, it felt weird. I looked at it in my hand and it was on its back, and the legs were moving. Just so like you, you were saying, you scratched it completely off. Uh huh. Which is like pretty lucky. Yeah. So I, what I think, Probably I mean, it was pretty big at that time. Not big, but I mean bigger than than uh, than most that I had seen. Was it a deer tick? 
Or it could be like a black-legged tick, it or did. they've got a bunch of different types. Yeah, it, it didn't, it wasn't one of the, the super small ones. Now, the, the, the females are much larger, and they kind of have like a reddish tint to it. I think that's what it was. Um, so it still would have been a deer tick, it just would have been a female. Okay. Um, which still can, they can still, you know, transmit. Both sexes can, yep. can transmit it. Fun fact, the male and female carry, but also the little guys, like the nymphs, the little nymphs are the ones that oh, carry so that's more. Before adulthood, they can eat. Yes. They, they still feed. The, the tick toddlers. Or the tick toddlers are more jerks than their parents. Yeah, because uh, they're <laughs> like, you know, adult sized deer ticks are still hard to see. What areas, Whatever. when you're checking yourself, what areas are like the key places to look first? I mean, I would say crevices. Well, yeah. Like, like all, if you don't see like them on your leg legs pits, or arms, armpits or legs, yeah. You know, like check your underwear area and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I, my first tick and it was a deer tick it was on it was in my leg pit it was on the back of my leg and i i remember because i was i was a young young boy and i was playing out in the backyard just a young padawan Mm. uh, playing playing out in the backyard not playing wiffle ball i was on a swing set like on literally on top of a swing set you were not swinging swinging, you were just hanging literally on top sitting on it and uh there was a bird's nest, like kind of in the in the crevice, crevasse, crevasse, if you will. Um, I will. I don't think it's actually crevasse, yeah, but it might not be. Um, but I think that's where I got the the tick from. It must have been on a bird or in the nest itself. And the next day, I remember just kind of hanging out, and doing the same thing that you did, and just like rubbing the back of my leg, thinking I had, you know, a scab on yeah. me, and pulling it out really like got it perfectly luckily and then saw the the legs moving and like lost my mind because at the time to 11 year old gavin was like a hypochondriac terrified of like any potential diseases because i first heard about like staph infection dude and then now i gotta worry about lyme's disease like lyme's i thought beforehand before ever getting a tick i thought lyme's disease was like People who, like, have too much corona and Lyme. <laughs> I had had basically sentenced myself to death when I found that tick <laughs> on me. Uh, I'm, like, you know, planning my funeral and thinking about, you know, what, what I'm like, going to do for my last kids. Last wishes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, because any little thing like that, I automatically go, you know, all the way to the deep end, whatever's the, the worst case scenario. Uh, of course. But can can limes? Well, yeah, I'm sure limes could probably take. It. I mean, oh, the, the limes if left unchecked. Limes can be devastating. Yeah, neurologically. I, yeah it really can. And that's that's you know that, we joke about it, but that's the seriousness of it. Is yeah. that you really have to be stay on top of it um, if you're outside in any manner, really. Um, the other thing too, I'll say is of all the people that have come into our gym, there's been quite a few that have have. Uh, quite a few that have contracted it, but quite a few people that, that have been tested for it. And if you're having a lot of these symptoms and they don't go away, get to your doctor and ask for, you know, the blood test and for them to check because a lot of times it will go unnoticed for a long period of time, you know, like you were saying. And 
if not treated at all, it can turn into, uh, like we were saying, uh, more on the neurological side where it can have some long-lasting effects. I mean, that it never goes away. Um, it's, it's basically just a matter of being treated the rest of your life uh, at that point. So, And I'm reading this CDC estimate from 2013, and they at that time had come out with a new estimate of how many people, how many Americans at least, have tick-borne diseases. And what was once pre-2013 basically thought of as just around 30,000 cases, they had said, they had re-analyzed whatever data they had from Mm -hmm. public health research uh, and bumped it up to 300,000. Oh my gosh. That's like a pretty big mix-up. It's like... Oh no! It wasn't thirty thousand. Like, let's just tack on another. Let's just tack on like two more zeros. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually just. It one is more just zero. one more zero, but I mean, I felt like saying two. I mean, it could potentially now. It could potentially be another zero. Yeah. Seriously, who knows? And that's why it's 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 really important to get yourself checked out and just be vigilant of that yeah. stuff because it's way too easy to contract. It's literally. Other than the white-tailed deer, in my opinion, the most dangerous animal in the eastern United States. And I say that the white-tailed deer is the most dangerous because of car accidents. I like where your head's at. You, I didn't know where you were going with that, but you're right. You're right. Not like they spear hunters with no. antlers. No, definitely car accidents. But like every dead deer you see on the side of the road represents, you know, potentially a loss of human life as well, mm-hmm. or multiple lives. Yeah. That's why they need to stay around me so that I can harvest them. Yeah, maybe like set up a road next to where you hunt. (laughs) Uh, Or just start hunting. No, don't start hunting near roads. No. That's just going to end in disaster. So, in a nutshell, ticks are jerks wear light clothing... Unless you're Gavin, wear earth tones. <laughs> Don't, do not listen to what I said earlier. Where I hope that people actually listen to all of this podcast and don't just cut it off right there. Because that would be a problem. Wear your knee highs, white socks, mm-hmm. duct tape them to your pants so that there is no tick intermining between sock and pant. Mm-hmm. Obviously... Take your stuff off in your mud room or laundry room. Check yourself before the ticks wreck, wreck yourself. <laughs> I was waiting on you to finish yeah. that. We haven't been doing this for long enough, no. but soon he'll be finishing my sentences. Mm. And the iTunes people will come begging to have us sponsor them or be their sponsor. Or Or begging us to get off the air. Or just be like, please get (laughs) off the air. You You guys guys need to stop. Awful. In recap. Check for ticks. Wear light clothing. Yeah, that helps. Opposite of what I said earlier. Check for more ticks. Mm. Wear preventative spray. Mm. Preventative spray. I mean, if you if if you know if you feel up to it, I I don't. I. I'm still kind of a freak about, like, a lot of those chemical-type stuff that I put in my mm-hmm. body. So I don't really I don't really like the active spray that you put on. Um, but I would. And 
honestly, it is it's it's a better idea to just to do it, especially if you're out like all the time. Um, and and there is non chemical type spray that they do make. I know from people that sell the uh, essential oils, they have some blends like that that they can make. I've heard now, of those. Not yeah. you know as potent as the permethrin. I butcher the name of that. And lastly, the last thing is to check for ticks. Mm-hmm. So. Also, it's probably a good idea to check for ticks when you're done. Yeah. I would, I would probably check for ticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what are we going to talk about next episode? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't really know either. Something with the outdoors. We've got some thinking to do. Something with the outdoors and being active. Actively outdoors. We might... Do a podcast from the outdoors. While being active. And we're also thinking about making an Instagram, which might help us with our exposure mm. and our street cred, our uh, audio cred. I think it could be worth it. could be wild. Our couple of people that listened, please give us some pe- feedback. Feedback. Yeah, don't give us feedback. Give us some feedback. Give us the feedback. And uh, tell us what you think. Give us recommendations, maybe for topics. We'll take recommendation topics. We'll field those. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate you listening. Thank you. Thank you. Please don't leave. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't leave. Goodbye.